Morning, everybody. Did y'all get enough sleep? Wow, some of y'all really didn't. I mean, it's, it's apparent. I'm wondering if I, I, this is just the way my mind works. So when Morgan's up here and she's thinking about containment, I went, man, there's some people I would love to be in containment. I know that's a, that's a terrible thing, even if they're sick or not. And then I went, I would kind of love to be in containment to have two weeks off. So anyway, um, and then I also thought it'd be great to do a fundraiser. We're selling uh, toilet paper for $20 a roll. See us in the back. So this message is uh, the beginning of a vision series. And here's the thing. So sometimes as, as communicators, we want to give information. All right. Information is great, but it doesn't necessarily always make it to the heart. So I'm hoping to communicate things that make sense to your head, but I also hope that you're picking up what I'm sharing with my heart because that is what is going to impact you more. And so the, we, we talk about it and we've spoken about this for years, that this is a place where we believe people can be transformed by Jesus, that Jesus can transform any person, any situation, anything regardless of where you come from or what you've been through, okay? Jesus can transform you. But really, we haven't always talked about or thought through how do we actually measure transformation? How do we know if it's actually taking place? And so uh, I had a, a, a story I was going to tell about baseball and how there was this transforming moment. But really, the greatest transformation other than Jesus was uh, something that occurred 22 years ago. And uh, I, I, I was going to a wedding, and it was my roommate's wedding when I was in Bible college, and I was hoping and praying that I would get to see this individual. And I'd met her one other time, and I can still remember seeing this beautiful woman, and she, she was wearing a black and white dress, and she had on her glasses, and she had her hair up. And I just, I, I was enthralled. I don't know how, I was just, I was in, I just, she was beautiful. And, um, and of course that is Carissa and, and it just, but it, but here's what happened. Thank God it was Carissa and not somebody else. <laughs> then I met Carissa. No, I'm just kidding. So, so, but I, I, but I saw her and it began this process, right? Of, I, it, it was the beginning of something, and then the more I got to know her, and the more now we're building a life together, and we've got kids, and, and we're ministry, and, and all these things. But the transformation process began 22 years ago with her, but it's still expanding. And that's what I believe Jesus does. It, it happens on so many multiple levels. And I also believe it for you individually, and I believe it for our church corporately, that there are things that God wants to do here that we haven't even begun to scrape the surface. And here's the thing. God's been speaking for years to me about this, but I never knew how it was going to take place. And now we're getting the opportunity to begin to to think and explore through that. So I do want to say this. Uh, a couple of qualifiers as we move forward. Um, in order for us to navigate transition, we're going to have to release some good things in order to do new God things. 
Okay, so we're not changing everything. Nobody has to panic. As a matter of fact, most of the things that we're going to do are going to be very similar. We're just going to be much more intentional. We're going to have areas that we put a lot of concentration on. Uh, you're not going to hear all the answers this month. There, there's going to be some things that we have to figure out for systems and processes and development and things like that. Uh, there are, but I do believe there are things that God wants to do that have never been done here, and I think that's exciting. And then I also want you to understand, whenever you're doing something new, and we're an established church, okay? So established means that we have a lot of history. And sometimes it's harder to change a lot of history. So we're going to have to be really intentional. But in order to do that transition, it means that we have to be both systematic, right? We need to be very intentional about the things we're doing, but we need to be flexible as well. So uh, success is found in the mastery of adjustments, right? You learn what doesn't work and what does. You, you begin making changes. And so those are some of the ways that we're going to go about this. As a leader, I do feel a little bit of the pressure of over-promising something that we can't deliver on. So we're going to be really intentional about sharing um, future or sharing opportunities. I want to make sure that we have things already moving toward that before we say this is going to happen. Anybody ever been over-promised and under-delivered? Amazing steak. This is terrible, right? Or we're going to do some great things and everybody's after a year going, are we doing anything? And so I don't want that to happen. I want us to be really intentional. So, uh, but I do have some questions that I want you to answer for yourself. And it's about transformation because we talk about transformation, but sometimes for a lot of people, transformation means that somebody else is doing it. And so I want to give you a test. Do you believe Jesus brings transformation? Okay. Is he still doing it? Okay. Do you believe God transforms people and communities? Do you believe the church has a role in transformation? Do you believe you play a role in the transformation of others? Yeah. All right. Do you believe the church has a role in bringing transformation to people and communities in our world? That was not as good. That was not a great response. If all of these things are true, then it's imperative to figure out where and how we find our place in this process and what it means. And that every person, I need you to, if you don't walk away with anything else, I need you to find your place in the process. I need you to figure out what God has given you. I need you to figure out what you know about God that you can give away to somebody else. And I need you to do that. And so at the very end today, we're going to talk about transformation means change lives. And change lives happens through these three ways. And we're going to do it at the very end. But you're part of the transformation process, whether you want to be or not. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. And if you're a disciple, you have a responsibility. And if you, it's not happening, guess what? Leadership has to figure out how to help you do that. Because you have to be empowered to walk out the gospel and, and to bring transformation. Amen. And it's going to happen. I'm excited. So uh, 
The goal today is I just want you to think about transformation and your place in that. Because I do. I believe God transforms things. I know that Jesus transforms people, but he invites us into his story. And so when we talk about transformation or a transformative culture, what does that mean? So the definition uh, from the dictionary says a thorough and dramatic change in form or appearance. Well, that sounds great. So let's go to the Bible. What does the Bible say? And we're using uh, Romans 12, 2. And most of you guys are familiar with this. Don't be conformed uh, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that word renew is what we're going to focus on. uh, Or be transformed is what we're going to focus on. So if you would put up the Bible Hub picture. Now, we told you about this. This is a tool that you can use. I encourage you guys to use something like this because it allows you to get a better understanding of Scripture. And so, if you look, this is, and it's not going to be perfect English because this is the trans, translation of Greek. But if you come to this word, transformed, if you were to click on that number, 3339, you would get this slide or this, this picture. Go ahead and go to the next one. Metamorphosis, where we get our word for metamorphosis. And here's what I want you to see. It means to transform, Right? But here, I want you to look at this phrase, changing form in keeping with inner reality. Changing form in keeping with inner reality. How many know that God has said things about you that you don't believe? How many, how many know that God has said that you're forgiven and yet you still walk in condemnation? God says that you have access to the throne, but still you won't pray. God has said that you're a new creature, a new creation, and yet you still think in the old ways. And God is wanting to to connect our inner reality to the way that we live, the way that we think, the way that we respond, the way that we love, all of those things. All right? So there's an inner reality that we have to be aware of in order to, to walk out. And I feel the same way about our church. The possibility of what God wants to do through our church, what he's been declaring prophetically for years. How many know that we're an interesting church? How many know that that every church is not the same? Okay. We're Pentecostal. We operate in the gifts. We're in the Midwest, so our church is not necessarily going to look like a church in Africa or Canada or some other place, right? We're, we're, we're in Omaha, Nebraska, so we don't always look like Christ's community. We don't look like somebody. So we have a unique context. And because of that, we're going to have a unique expression. You guys with me? All right. So we're going to be a little different. We're not, we're all, we all want to bring glory to God, but the way we do that may be a little different. And so I want to share from you Matthew thirteen thirty three. And it's talking about yeast and how it causes bread to rise. But God is giving us a picture of the kingdom of God. And I believe that is internal to us individually as well as the church. Let's read Matthew 13, 33. It says, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible privilege to come into your presence, God. I pray that you would take the word spoken today, God, that it would not just be information, but it would become revelation to our individual lives, God, our families, and our world as a church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
So four things about this yeast and this story of the bread. Number one, the kingdom of God starts small, but it increases. Yeast is microscopic in size, right? It starts small and then it's kneaded into the dough. And yet given time, the yeast will spread through all of the dough. And I love that illustration, how this woman worked the yeast into the dough. God goes to work through you by the Holy Spirit. He goes to work in your life through the Holy Spirit. He goes to work on your heart through the Holy Spirit. He goes to, goes to work in the areas of your life through the Holy Spirit. How many, if you're being honest, remember when you got saved and what kind of person you were? Do you remember that? Isn't that a little... Well, Pastor Mark was really embarrassed by his life way back then. But here's the thing. When, when I got saved, I look back and... Y'all, my, my life was messed up. The way that I lived was messed up. The way that I thought was messed up. And I look back and I go, it is unbelievable what God has done. Now, it started small. I, I couldn't obey hardly anything. But God was transforming my inner world. And it started small. Jesus and the gospel started small. It started with 12 disciples. And we are at 2 billion people uh, today. Eventually, Jesus is how we see, we're supposed to see everything. We're supposed to see the world. C.S. Lewis says this, and I love this quote. It says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because I, it is by it I see everything else. So, we, so here's what happens. A lot of times we, we come to church, we get saved. We still have a different viewpoint. But the kingdom of God begins to affect everything that we are so that we begin to see it by the gospel. Does that make sense? Ultimately, God wants you to see everything through his son, Jesus. And so as God begins to do this new thing, you guys, don't be frustrated if it starts small. Don't be frustrated because it doesn't seem to be making the, 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 the change or it's not happening as quickly as you thought. Number one... It starts small. Number two, the kingdom of God's influence begins inwardly. It starts inside. Yeast makes dough rise from within. In the New King James Version, it says that she hid the yeast in the dough. And uh, the, the word is actually in crypto. It's where we get our, uh, our, our English word of encryption. So it starts inside. She's working it through. She's hiding this yeast, this transformative agent inside. And transformation happens from the inside out. That's why religion does not work. Because it is not a set of behaviors that brings transformation. It is an inside out transformation. So people, here's the thing. So people receive salvation and man, they receive it with joy. And then God begins to go to work. And then you have a battle going on in your, in, in your heart, in your mind. All of a sudden, you're aware of all of these desires. You're aware of all these things at war within you, right? God's bringing them up. He's, he's bring, making you aware of them. And some people get really frustrated with that. How many times has God brought up something that you didn't even know was inside of you? Why do you think that is? Is it to shame you? No, it's to bring freedom to you. Because he goes, I want that. 
That's not, that's something inside of you that's hurting you or, or hurting my relationship with you or hurting your relationship with others. I want it. So God brings hidden things to light and it's from the inside out. So the kingdom of God is always doing something on the inside of you. And here's the thing. Sometimes we focus on behaviors and, and I hope that you hear this right. Sometimes we really like methodologies. Okay. We, we like to do the same things every time, even if they don't work. Right? And so God is, is not, as, not as concerned with our methodologies as he is the mandate. And he wants to bring transformation. And here's the thing. I've got to be honest. If we're doing things that aren't working and we've been doing them for a long time, guess what? I'm not going to keep doing those things. So we, we need to be able to, to change Sometimes I feel like religion promises something that it can't deliver and it, it, it promises something and it's, there's, it's, there's always a hook to it. So I'll give you an example. A lot of people say, if we only did this one thing in the church, then God would. Have you ever heard that? Man, if we only did this, this one thing, God would do all of these things. And then it doesn't happen and you'll find, well, but we need to do this thing now. And now we need to do this thing, that's a form of religion. Here's what I want to tell you. The only hoop that you'll ever have to jump through with Jesus. I want it all. Jesus says, pick up your cross. I want everything in your life. I want your life. I want your dreams. I want your hurts. I want your sin. I want everything. That's the one hoop he wants you to jump through. And that's it. Come and follow me and I will make you. I'll say this too. You know, some people get really frustrated uh, because of their job. Maybe they're in, you're in a family and you're the only believer. Maybe uh, you don't like your, your, your situation in life and you look around and you don't seem to be connected to the type of people or, that you want to be connected with. Have you ever thought that God positioned you to be yeast in that environment? That what you have, what you carry, who you are, what you know about God is supposed to be a transformative agent where you are. So instead of complaining about what we're in, maybe we start praying, God, help me to bring change where I am. She hid the transformative agent and mixed it through the dough. Number three, the effect of the kingdom of God will be all-encompassing. The yeast works until the dough has completely risen. It's the same thing in you. So how many know that God won't let you be half-hearted? He won't let you have a pet sin. He won't let you have something that's going to destroy you on the side. If God showed up at your house, he would want to go to the room that you put all your junk in to make it look like it was clean. Right? He wants access, so he won't let you. And that, that is his goodness doing that. It is his goodness that wants access to all areas of our heart and our life. And here's the thing, church. It's the same thing in our world. Man, I, I just... The church is supposed to be the transformative agent in the world. 
And I feel like there was a period of time in our church where we kept wanting to pull ourselves back from the world. And yet Jesus actually sent his disciples into it. And that's, that's our role. That's our responsibility is wherever we go, we're bringing the kingdom of God. We're bringing the love of God. We're bringing the creativity of God wherever we go. So Mark sixteen fifteen says this. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's not a sermon like this necessarily. Your life is a sermon to people around you. John 13, 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the way we love one another is speaking to the world around us. And lastly, and this is one of my favorite verses. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So if you read this in the New King James Version, it says the manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God. The multifaceted grace of God. How many know that God has no end? That even eternity will not be able to contain all that he is. Okay? That it is a constant new revelation at every moment for the rest of eternity because he is all-encompassing. There's no end. All right? So here's what this means to me. One of the things that I, I think is interesting is we were made in the image of God and God takes up residence in us, right? Oh, so let's go back to the basics. So when we accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and resides inside of us, right? So... He takes up residence in us, and therefore we will emulate who God is, but also what God does. Okay? So when you're reading through Genesis, or you're looking through Exodus, or you're looking through uh, Deuteronomy, you're looking through Leviticus, and wow, Leviticus, you need grace to get through Leviticus. But God is, is, is in, in, incredibly creative. Think about his creation. Look at the person to your left or to your right. God is incredibly creative. You look at nature. You look at animals. You look at what he does. He's, he's creative. But how many know that you reflect, some of you reflect the manifold grace of God by your creativity? How many creative people do we have in here? Yeah, we are all creative. Some are more creative than others for sure. How many, uh, you care about details? You care about, it needs to be done right. There's a right way to do it. You care about the details. Read how God told Moses how every piece of that tabernacle had to be taken care of. Very specific. That reflects the nature of God. Every person can't reflect everything about God, but uniquely, individually, we reflect something of God to the world around us. So when you do it well, when you do it with excellence, when you do it with the right heart, when you do it well, people go, there's something about you. That's the manifold grace of God. Radical transformation happens when beliefs and actions collide. When we actually live out what we believe, transformation takes place. Number four, the kingdom of God may be invisible, but, it, but the effects can be seen. Have you ever felt like God isn't doing anything? Wow, y'all are lying. You're in church. 
Have you ever felt like God wasn't doing something, that he's not moving, that he's not answering, that he's not hearing, he's not paying attention? What are you doing? Where you been? Why aren't you helping me? I can't change. I can't beat the addiction. All of these things. God is at work. Always. He's at work. The yeast is at work quietly, many times under the radar. But it's at work. We don't always know why or how or when the kingdom is working or what, what it's going to look like exactly. But it's at work. And it's the same individually for us. God is at work in our hearts and our lives. He's at work in our families in, in ways we can't understand. He's at work within your purpose. He's at work within your calling. He's at work within your skills. He's at work within the depths of your heart of the pain. He's at work. But here's the thing. He wants to be at work through the church. Like, I, y'all, I love Sunday mornings. But this is one of the lower levels of what I'd love to see God do. It is the other 160-something hours a week that I, I desire to see God move through His church. And through every person here. Don't send me an email. You know what I mean. <laughs> so, uh, the bread. Tommy, will you? So, here's a picture. And... So here's a picture of unleavened bread, right? Anybody want to taste? Here's what it looks like when it's risen. You do want a taste of this, don't you? Well, here's the thing. This is a hyperbolic picture. What it, it's an exaggerated story. Jesus is trying to get them to understand. Has anybody ever eaten 60 loaves of bread in a week? Has any family ever eaten 60 loaves of bread in a week? I know some of y'all have probably tried. But, but here's the thing. The whole purpose is no person can consume that. No family can consume that. The whole point is you're supposed to be giving it away. That's what the kingdom of God represents is what we have we give away and we share. See, the kingdom of God changes whatever it touches personally inside of us, corporately inside the church, but also through the church, through what we do, through your individual hands, what you do at your job, everything. So here's what I wanted to do. Sometimes I process by writing. And I wanted to, to write what I thought about transformation. And so I hope we have it to put on the screen, but I'm just going to read it and you can follow along with me. Transformation is the resulting effect of what God does independent of us. How many know God does not need us? Okay? He, he is independent, but he invites us in and in correspondence to what we do. So with our obedience, our prayer, using what God has given us and serving others. And this is his delight, y'all. He invites us into his story. He, he delights as a father to bring us into his story. So transformation means lives changed. The broken made whole, disciples made and matured. Change occurring in the world around us. Transformation means different, a different kingdom, meaning a different way to live, to see, to love, to serve. It is the lens by which we see the world. It affects our time, our talent, and our treasure. We give and live according to this new rule and reign in our life. It happens through life on life. We share and give our lives away. 
People invest their lives in us. We give our lives to others. And we learn to do life together while Jesus is at the center. We see life through the lens of Jesus. Our values change. The things we believe are most important change to reflect what Jesus says and thinks in his word, his life, and his world become our own. So people are not a a problem or a project, Republican or Democrat, black or white or brown only, but they are people made in the image of God and have infinite value even when we disagree. Christianity is supposed to provide the deepest connection in life. The fact that our God in the person of Jesus would die for us because he loved us that much. No other religion provides that kind of sacrifice, that kind of selfless commitment. That means something church. That means everything. The gospel of transformation stoops to the lowest levels of humanity and yet rises above the systems that try to suppress it, hinder it or stop it. It can't be stopped and it never has. The gospel of Jesus is all-encompassing. It touches every fear, sin, dream, and hope. It permeates everything. It touches everything. It confronts everything. It redeems everything, or it's not the gospel. It won't let us lie or hide or deny the truth. Jesus is fearless and relentless. The gospel demands that we live it, be changed by it, and give it away. This is the essence of transformation, and it knows no boundaries. The gospel of Jesus calls us to to transformation and we find ourselves crying out that we may be changed. And not just our family and uh, not just us, but our family and friends and not just our family and friends, but our church and not just our church, but our communities and not just our communities, but our businesses and not just our businesses, but city and not just our city, but our nation and not just our nation, but our world. And the only way this happens is an all in commitment to Jesus and what he wants to bring through his kingdom and all that it represents to the world through us. He is calling us to be about it and he calls to us all the time. Our call is transformation and that means lives changed. We are all part of bringing transformation. We are all part of changing lives. Every person. Every person. Regardless of your story, regardless of where you come from, regardless of, of what you think of yourself, we're called to bring change. And so here's the way that we're thinking through this framework. And it's simply a framework. We want to be able to meet people where they are. We want to see that transformation happen. So if you put up the slide. Transformation is going to happen in three major areas. And it's just a framework. But transformation, lives change, come through discipleship. If you'll notice, that's in the middle. And we want to do this by life on life. We actually want to get into people's lives. We always talk about how we, the generations need to come together. Well, let's come together. It's time to make that happen. And what happens is as we spend time with one another, here's what usually happens. How many know we can pretend pretty well for an hour on Sunday? But the more you get to know somebody, the more you have access to their life, the more you begin to find they have some areas that are broken. How many have areas that are broken? Areas that they could grow. Areas that they need change. Well, here's what happens is we go, then we need to, we need to walk you into wholeness. And there are people specifically designed and have a passion to walk people into wholeness. There's a list of areas that we're going to present next week. And then 
within discipleship, how many know that if you spend time with anybody, you begin to recognize what they're good at. You begin to recognize the potential that they carry. You begin to see something in them that maybe they can't see in themselves. That's what multiplication is about. And multiplication is the most exciting to me. This is what the Lord has been speaking to me about for years. And I had no context for it. Well, I'm excited about being able to roll some of this stuff out. So here are the frameworks that we believe are actually going to bring transformation, which is lives changed to people. So I, I, want you to, I want you to know my heart. So Wednesday night, I got to come to the altar. You know, I, I don't even think it was the right altar call. I just wanted to come to the altar. Pastor Mark shared on something, and I just came to the altar, and I just I sat for about 30 minutes, and I just, I just wept and, and, and worshiped. But here are the things that were running through my heart. I, I so desire, I so desire, I, I can't wait to see Jesus. I, I, there, my, my mental picture was that I, I hugged him and had had my head against his chest, and I'm just grateful. But the other thing is, I desire so strongly that he receives his inheritance. You know what his inheritance is? It's you. It's everything. It's, it's not just your life and your soul. It's everything that you do through your hands. It's every life that you impact because of what you have. It's everything that is due him. And I never stop thinking about this ever. I think about you guys more than you will ever know because the church is called to unlock people. We haven't always done that. And in this next season, our church, you watch, I'm telling you, we're going to begin to unlock people and watch what God will do through that multiplication process. So here's what the Lord started talking to me about years ago, but really just within the last year. When I took the lead, he said, you have everything you need. You have everything you need. And he, he, he shared the illustration, Matthew 14. So Matthew 14, Jesus has been teaching all day. The disciples see the crowd Roughly fifteen to 20,000 people. And they came up to Jesus and said, send them away. They're, they're, they're hungry. There's no stores. There's nowhere to get food. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And they go, there's no way. Too much money. We, w- there's no way we can do this. And he said, go find out what you have. And so they searched through the crowd. Five loaves, two fish. They brought it back. And Jesus, of course, took it, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it back to them. God keeps saying, you have everything you need already in your pews, but you don't even know what they have. And we are going to unlock people. Some of you guys, you don't even recognize what you have. Some of you... It's a testimony of God how it walked you through. Some of you guys, you've been abused, and now you can walk somebody through it. Others of you have skills or talents or abilities that you don't know how to use sometimes in the Christian world. I'm so tired of the church having to go to the world to be trained or developed when we already have the people in our pews. I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense. So, all right, we're going to calm down. 
But here's the thing. We already have everything we need. We just don't have systems and processes. to. So the, the Bible also says uh, people are like deep wells, but a person of understanding brings it out. We're going to help unlock people. Salvation and, and, and restoration and wholeness and discipleship, multiplication. Okay. I just believe our church, we're supposed to build people. God builds his church, but we build people. And that's what we're going to do. So here's what I would say. I, I want you to go home and I want you to ask the Lord, God, what's my role in transformation? What's, what's my role? You don't, you don't get to sit in our pews and not do anything. Sorry. Everybody's going to get uncomfortable. We're going to make a difference in the world because that's part of being a disciple. What's my role in transformation? God, what do I know about you that I can give away? What do I possess that can make a difference in somebody else's life? And I'm going to use this word. I probably shouldn't. The bifurcation of the church. So here's the thing. We come and sit for an hour and then we... we we don't live fully as Christians because we spend 40 hours at work. We have to figure out how to impact our community and impact our jobs and impact the people that we work with uh, as Christians. And we're going to help you do that. But I want you to pray, God, what is my role in bringing transformation? Would you stand with me? Ultimately, the most important thing is you give your life fully to Jesus. Some, some people in here, you've kept your Jesus at arm's length. And he wants, he wants access to everything. Some of you guys, you, you, you come week to week or maybe you're visiting today and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Well, this is your opportunity today. Give your heart fully to him. Make him Lord and Savior of your life. But church, it's time to begin thinking really what transformation means and how we can begin to change our world. Father, I pray your blessing upon your people. And God, we're just beginning to scratch the surface of what you can do. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. I pray that you would help us to develop people, empower people, God. I pray that we would release the church to be, God, a solution because of Christ to the world around us. I pray that you would help us to see things differently, God. But I pray that you would continue doing your work inside of us so that we can do the work outside of us, God. We pray that you would be glorified, that you would be magnified, and we honor you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Figure out your role. Figure out what part of transformation you play. I'm going to ask our altar team to come forward this time. If you need to, to, you know you need to give your life to Christ, we want to lead you in that. If you need prayer, want to be able to do that as well. Keep praying for our church. We're excited about vision. God bless you guys. Have a great day.